you have your Bibles, would you go to John chapter 15? If you want to cheat a little bit, you can also go over to Ruth chapter one, Ruth chapter one. Uh, I'm going to kick off in 15, John 15, go over to Ruth, and we'll, then we will land back again in John chapter 15. Uh, I, I do want to reiterate, the Awakening Conference is coming up in a couple, just really just a couple weeks. Um, and I just can't emphasize enough, uh, God is just doing something deep in the heart of our congregation, in the heart of people around our city. And uh, this is something that we, we did not put together. In fact, we were approached by a family that has been trying to rally churches together. So I think there's about nine or ten churches now that are involved in. And so we've got people that are serving all over the place. Uh, I know our prayer team is stepping up to be the prayer workers uh, for the services. Um, there's, this, there's numbers of needs, so if you do want to get involved uh, or you want to attend, we'd love for you to attend. In fact, just about 24, 48 hours ago, um, they actually came out with a, with a video just to help highlight and to show kind of what's happening. So if, we'd, if you would, would you please play that video? I want you to see what's happening with the Awaken Conference. Awaken is a missions conference designed to inspire people to be engaged in the great commission that Christ has entrusted to us. Every single one of us, once we've accepted Christ, we have got a mandate on our lives called the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And this conference is there to awaken us to the mission of God. Awaken is a tool that's going to be used powerfully by the Holy Spirit to mobilize the church in Southwest Michigan into her great commission calling. We are called to go send, welcome, and pray. You can only get so far with God without jumping into his mission. We're doing this conference at Kalamazoo this year to enliven each and every man, woman, and child to be on mission for Jesus. I think every congregation, no matter how they might word it, ultimately uh, has as their mission, uh, the great commission of making disciples of our Lord Jesus. Hey, pastors and churches, I just want to encourage all of you, come February 2nd and 3rd. It is a citywide gathering of worshipful, prayerfully minded disciples who want to go after what Jesus called us to do with the Great Commission. Tickets are only $25 and only $15 if you're a student. Buy yours today. Uh, that you're going to discover is this is going to be a powerful conference and when you meet all the other pastors from all the other churches, I am considerably shorter than every single one of them. I didn't realize when I got hired here almost 15 years ago that I think the standard was six foot two on up. Every time I meet pastors, I feel like they're going to grab me and go, wee, and just throw me in the air. Man, it's like Frodo around the people. Goodness gracious. Um, would you stand with me for the reading of the word as I'm getting through my insecurities? Y'all with me about praying at 3 o'clock this afternoon? How about those Detroit Lions, by the way? I, I don't even know how to feel about this. So unfamiliar. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He, it is that bears much fruit, for apart, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I want to read that. It's such a deep, deep, deep scripture. Jesus says, I am the vine. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're not the vine. You're a branch. Stop acting like the vine. 
You're not the source of everything. Man, I'm going to get people angry right now. Whoever abides in me, Jesus says, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anybody does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. There's a happy little moment there. But there's something very deep that's taken place. There's something Jesus is trying to really come across to us today as we are in this series called Beyond 52. Where we're trying to live and get our lives engaged beyond 52 Sunday mornings a year. It makes up one percent of your year. 52 Sunday morning services make up one percent of your entire year and we have to learn to live beyond 52 Sundays. 52 services and one of the ways that we do that is we stay connected to Jesus. Lord, I just, Lord, I bless you. The word says that we can bless the Lord. And so we say with everything within us, we bless your holy name. Ask that you would meet with us today, that our hearts would be challenged, lives would be transformed, because we don't want to walk away from this place the same way that we walked in. God, that's more than just something we toss out every Sunday. That is the prayer of this pastor, the prayer of our leadership team, the prayer of this church, God, that every time we get together and we connect with you, God, then we connect with each other, we would walk away different and changed because we have met together with Jesus. You are the vine, we are the branches, and Lord, we want to remain in you because we want to see life born from our lives, God, through your power and through your grace. We pray that in Jesus' name, and everyone said, give someone a high five and tell them, go Lions. Anybody ever buy a car that you just regret? That is the most responsive sermon I've gotten in a long time. We all have that car that we absolutely regretted buying. Mine, a 1997 Ford Contour. I went to a used car dealership in Detroit with a price in my brain and I spent over twice what I intended for a Ford Contour. Some of you don't know what a Ford Contour and that will tell you everything you need to know about a Ford Contour. Terrible decision. Horrible decision. I've mean, said that one time. Someone's like, I like Ford Contours. I'm like, you need Jesus because they're terrible, terrible vehicles. And uh, at one point, I had this idea. I was getting up to, like, the, I think it was the mileage of uh, what I thought was the mileage for the warranty. I'm like, I don't want to drive it anymore because I think I got some warranty stuff I want to get worked on. Not realizing I didn't read the paperwork right and I actually passed the mileage, but I left it in our church parking lot for months. Like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I just sat there for so long, the battery died. And so one night, I mean, the, my pastor's like, get your car out of the parking lot. I'm the youth pastor, the kids pastor. I mean, he gave me a lot of grace as a staff member, but he's just like, just, it needs to get out of here. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me go start it. Went to start it, no life. So I've seen my dad and my grandfathers both just, to, you know, take out car batteries and put in a new battery. So I went to the store, bought a battery, came in, hooked, you know, positive to positive, negative to negative, and I get inside the car and nothing. Not even a click. And so I get out there and I, I undo everything and I'm, because that's what we did with Nintendo cartridges, you just blow on it and it should work. And so it works with car batteries, put you know, everything back onto the poles, tighten everything up, went to start it. And I'm like, 
Not only have I bought a junk car, I obviously bought a junk battery. So I went and took the battery back. The guy's like, I'm sorry, this, this has never happened before. So he gave me a new battery, went and put that battery in there, and, all, and hooked it all up, got in there, nothing. And I'm looking, okay, red to red, black to black. I, I'm not an idiot. I know how to do this, but nothing. And it's night outside, and I'm like, the flashlight's going, and I'm like, I, everything is hooked up. So I unhooked it, blew it off, hooked it back up, nothing, nothing. And I'm just... I am losing my mind. In the church world, we say, I'm ready to lose my salvation. I am losing it. Put it all back into my other car. Drove to the store. The guy's like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, you're giving, you're giving me two bad batteries. And so he gave me another battery. And I went for the third time. And I'm hooking it all up. And there's nothing. And so now I'm just mad. And so you get to the point where you're trying to loosen stuff up. And you're getting mad. And you just, I just pulled the thing off the terminal. And I heard this... The sound. And what the sound was, did you know that sometimes when you buy batteries, on the positive pole there is a rubber cap? I did not know that until that day. That I've got something that's got all the power I need. I just don't have a connection. In more ways than once. And so I'm, I'm just standing there, I'm like, and Anne, Anne's like, how is it going? I'm like, I figured it out. Not going to admit exactly what I've done for the past two hours. But I, may, I remember telling my dad later, how come you never told me that there's a rubber boot? He said, that's right there. There's a little tab to even pull it right off. And I, just, I had no clue. But you can have all the power in the world, but if you actually have, don't have the proper connection, you're actually never going to get the proper power surging. So today I want to talk about this idea of staying connected. And what Jesus is saying to us and what he's speaking to us and what he was speaking to the disciples and to the crowds of that day. He's saying, listen, I am the vine, you're the branch, he that remains. In other words, he that sticks with me and stays connected with me, you're going to bear much fruit. Because you can have a branch of significant size. You can have a branch that seems like it's got significant um, foliage to it. You can have everything on that. But if that branch is connected from the vine, if it's disconnected from its source of life, it's not going to grow anything, in fact, it's going to die off and be useless other than for fire. And so Jesus is trying to kind of hammer within our spirits that when it comes to us wanting to have life beyond 52 Sunday mornings, you can't just hook up and stay connected just on Sundays. You've got to have a life that is connected to the vine because he who is connected is going to have a fruitful life. And so as I begin to kind of ponder this, I found myself going to one of my favorite favorite books in all of the Bible. If you have never read or studied the book of Ruth, y'all ought to read the book of Ruth. It is powerful. It is wonderful. It is an unbelievable story and there's so much beautiful depth to it. So I want to go over to the book of Ruth and begin to share a little bit about it because Ruth's story talks about connection. Because God designed us to not just to be connected with him, but also to be connected with others. 
And there are some people within church structures that don't have powerful lives. Why? Because you, you might, well, I've gotten connected to Jesus, but if we don't also have the connection to each other, that's where our lives were meant to flourish. Your life was never meant to flourish on your own. You're never meant to serve Jesus on your own. In a very individualistic idea and culture, we get this idea was, I have my personal relationship with Jesus, and I agree and I disagree that you've got a personal connection, but that was never meant to flourish, and it can't flourish without other people people in your life. It's never meant to be done apart from community. Ruth chapter 1, we get this unbelievable story that starts off tragic. Ever start watching a very tragic movie or tragic story? If you've never watched one, watch the movie Up. Worst opening story you've ever seen in your life. Ruth chapter 1 opens up very similar. Uh, verse 3. But Emelech, the husband of Naomi, we've got this lady named Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives, that one name was Orpah, and the other name was Ruth. By the way, did you know that Oprah's name was supposed to be Orpah? They misspelled it on the birth certificate, which is why she's called Oprah. Now you know. They lived there about ten years, and both... Uh, Malone and Killian died, and the woman was left with her two sons, without her two sons and her husband. This is not the most cheerful way to start off a story, but Naomi, they moved away from Bethlehem because of a famine. There was a problem that took place, and so there's a problem, let's move on to a place that doesn't have a problem, and so she, they went to Moab, and they lived in a foreign territory, and there, her husband ends up passing away, and not only her husband, but her two sons, who both had Moabite wives, they both passed away, and so she finds herself in this place. So she has not just lost her husband, she has lost her sons. And this is a place of brokenness. This is a place where she is, she is just, she feels lost. I no longer have my husband. I no longer even have my sons. And she gets this idea in Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, where I'm going to go back. She says in verse 8, to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. In other words, Orpah, Ruth, you've been wonderful, you've been great. But you, you need to go and find lives outside of this. Because she thinks to herself, I need to go back to my roots I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to the people of God. I'm going to go back to the land that God has promised because I need to reconnect there with them and with my community, with my family. And so you two, listen, you're not born from that area. You're young. You can restart your lives. You can restart your families. You can restart your future. Just stay here. Verse 14 through 16. They lifted up their voices and they wept, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. This moment, Orpah kisses her mother-in-law, and she disconnects from her to go restart her life, and we never hear from Orpah again. But Ruth... Look at the connection that she has with her mother-in-law. And she simply decides, you know what, I'm not going to drop the connection. I'm going to hold on to what I have because this is what's going to give me life and this is what is important. 
Because sometimes in life that we drop the things that we ought to be holding on to and we hold on to things that we ought to be dropping. Two days ago, my wife made me do something that I hate doing. I know that never happens to any spouses in this house, but my wife makes me go grocery shopping. This is what I, AirPods, were given for. If you ever greet me in a grocery store and I didn't greet you back, it's because I have AirPods in and I am zoned out. I'm just getting it done so I can get out of mire in the place of the gnashing of teeth. Mire is just, it's what it, it's what it is. I just want to get out of Meyer. just want to get out of Trader Joe's, I just want to get out of Aldi, I just want, to, just want to be home, and I don't want to be in the grocery store. I cannot stand grocery shopping, but we, every, once a month we do our big grocery thing. And, but when we get home, I am one of those guys that says, I can carry 30 grocery bags in and do it all on one trip. Any one trip person in the house today, there we go. I've got space, I've got pinkies, I rock climb so I can get to these moments and hold things up with my fingers and get it all in one trip. Now I will say this in the past four months, because this is how I do things in the car. She's like, take all of the stuff out to the car, pack the car, we're going to take all this stuff to Goodwill. I'm going to take as much as I can in one trip. Uh, clean out the car. I'm cleaning out the car and just grabbing stuff, things in my hand. And what has happened over the past four months is I have gone through three screen protectors on my phone that have been cracked. Why? Because I stuff it in my, like, hoodie pocket or I put it in my side pocket or I try to just slip it in. And when I'm moving around, all of a sudden I hear a sound that nobody likes to hear. is the sound of my phone smacking against the pavement. Why? Because I'm so busy holding on to things that... that have a little bit of worth, but I end up dropping the things that I ought to be actually holding that's a little bit more critical. And so often we are grabbing onto things that we think we ought to be connected to, things that we think ought to be given to life, and we are dropping the things that are mission critical in our life. I want to be the type of individual that will hold on to that which God has told me to hold on, and I will, I will let go of that which God has not mandated me to hold on to. And so when we look at the story of Ruth, and when we look at Ruth, we begin to see that there are things that we, if we hold on to it, it can actually cause us to drop connections. If you're a note taker, and I know you are, would you write this down? Number one, conflict. Conflict. Naomi left Bethlehem originally because there was something conflicting. What was the thing causing conflict? It was famine. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? I don't know. Are we going to find it here? Do we stay here? I'm, I'm in conflict. Do I stay in the place of God, the people of God, and lean into the provision of God? Or am I going to take off and go toward another land? But let me give a word to somebody this morning that just because there's the presence of a problem doesn't mean that God cannot fulfill his promises. And some of us, we forget what God has promised and we go off to other lands and off to other places. We're in conflict with what we think he's providing in the moment, at this time, at this juncture. And we get into this conflict and we move on and that conflict can sometimes separate us from what we ought to be carrying, keeping us connected to others. Naomi lost her connection to her people because of a problem that was there. And so often I see this happen in churches all over the place and people is that we will, not, we will either get offended, we will have conflict with somebody, conflict with a situation, conflict with a circumstance, and we will break off from our church, break off from our groups, break off from our friends, or we will take on somebody else's conflict, and all of a sudden we wonder why we're so disconnected from the body of Christ and disconnected from Jesus. It's because instead of grabbing onto him and holding on to each other, we've held on to our conflicts. 
Write this down. Number two, there's, there's comfort. Sometimes we hold on to comfort. Ruth had a choice. She could stay in Moab, which is comfortable. It's, she could have stayed in the place where she was born and raised. This is most likely where her family was from. This is where her friends were, her upbringing, her schoolmates, all the people that she knew, this was her community. It, it would have been comfortable. She could either embrace comfort or she can go after being connected. But I'm here to say this, that if you want to stay connected to something healthy, quite often you're going to have to sacrifice comfort. When God has called you into something, many times God will ask you to sacrifice some comfort. Have you ever had to sacrifice comfort for a greater good? Our table group back in uh, November, I remember the guys in our table group talked about, we're going to do 3,000 push-ups in the month of November. That's 100 push-ups a day. Like, you know what, I'm going I'm to do that. I'll join the young folk. How old am I? Goodness gracious. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. And so it's like day three or four, I'm laying in bed, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm doing something spiritual, I'm just scrolling TikTok, and just on my phone, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to do my push-ups, and Anne goes, well, you're awake. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. Have you ever had your spouse give you a word that was not from the Lord? I'm like, it's 11, she goes, you're still awake. Because you do 100 push-ups at 11 o'clock, you're not going to sleep at 11.15. But I'm here to say that when you've got a challenge of what's healthy in front of you, your comfort many times can be the enemy to what God is calling in your life. In fact, I'll say it this way. Your comfort will always be in competition with your calling. And there are things that God is challenging your heart. And you can embrace comfort or you can embrace a calling. You can embrace the comfort and not work on your marriage or your calling to build your marriage. Your comfort of just letting the schools and everybody else raise their kids. Or embrace the conflict of raising your kids and actually showing them the way instead of diverting it to somebody else's responsibility. Comfort will always be in competition with your calling. Number three, clutter. Clutter. Clutter is the unnecessary things in life and the things that aren't necessarily sin, but clutter. Ruth had a lots of reasons for her to abandon Naomi, abandon her mother-in-law, and just say, and just, this is convenient, but man, I've got family, I've got this, I know this land, I know this city, I know these resources, I know this, I know that, I know all of that. And it could have cluttered up her, her judgment, but yet she still chose to follow Naomi. Clutter. You look at my garage, you're going to see my garage. I promise that what most men have in the garage or in their storeroom. And it is a box of, it's a box of power cords that you don't even know what they all go to, but you know you need them. Anybody got those? I've got those. But I promise you if I throw away a cord, I'm going to find that VHS player I didn't know I had. And I'm going to look for the power cord and I'm not going to have it. I've got useless things that I think provide power for something, but they're sitting there taking up space. Let me say this, that some of us are allowing things, fake power cords in our life that we think are providing us something, and all they're doing is cluttering up our lives. Sucking the joy from our lives. We're holding on to things, opinions that people have, 
things that people want us to believe in, things that people want us to do, schedules the work wants us to keep, the pace that everybody else thinks that we ought to be living, and we are trying to get things that we think are giving us connection, but they're giving us no power. And we can have wonderful things, great things, scheduled things that are wonderful, but I'm here to say that we have to, we have to monitor and realize that what is God given us to connect with and what is the clutter that's actually crowding God out of our life. What are we holding on to? Because the reality is this, is that yes, we've got conflicts and we've got comfort and we've got clutter. But can I tell you this, the enemy, he really doesn't care which one it is. You know what he just cares about? Is that you are getting disconnected from Jesus and his body. That's all he cares about. He is the vine, we are the branches of the vine. We are a part of something bigger. He just doesn't care if it's comfort. He doesn't care if it's conflict. He doesn't care if it's clutter. All he cares about is you're no longer being consistent with church. You're no longer being consistent with relationships within the church. You're no longer worshiping like you used to. You're no longer entering in. You're no longer reading your scripture. You're, he wants to get you into a place where you get so disconnected that there's no power moving through your life. Because if you can give separation, the power does flow it doesn't reminds me of back I think it was 2003 we bought our house in Midland and I remember buying my first Wi-Fi router I mean I was so excited I bought it plugged it into the wall got my laptop out I'm sitting up in our kitchen and I'm realizing I'm not finding the Wi-Fi signal and so I go down there unplug it from the wall stick it back into the wall I make sure the Ethernet cord is in the back I go upstairs and I'm checking and you're thinking what I'm thinking why don't you just bring the laptop downstairs I have issues. And so finally I go up and I check and it's not, it's not linking up and I can't even find the Wi-Fi, the stupid Linksys or whatever it was called at the time. So I came down and I'm sitting next to it and then I do what no man wants to do. I call the number on the router. And the first thing the person says to me is, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't even want to answer that question right now. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong. I want to fix this thing. He says, well, would you check the power cord first? I said, I'm not an idiot. I can see it right now. It's plugged into the wall. He's like, sir, I know, you know you're not an idiot. I know that you're, you're, you're a very smart man, but would you just please check the connection to the wall? I'm like, I can see it. He goes, I know you can see it, but would you look on the back of the router to see if the power cord is actually connected to the router? So I hung up on him. Listen, so often we're looking for someone to blame for what's not growing in our life in Jesus. We're looking for a pastor to blame because he's not preaching deep enough sermons. We're not looking for leaders to blame because they're not leading us correctly. We're looking for worship to blame because we don't have the songs that we want to, to kind of lead us in, to take us to different places. But when you feel like you have lost power, before we start blaming others, we need to check our connection. When we're feeling lost in life, check your connection. When you're feeling like you're not being fed, instead of demanding something here, begin to demand something in here. Check your connections. Instead of judging the, the song or the style or the volume or the whatever, before you go into judgment, check your connection. Go back to the basics and see, are you actually connected to the power source? And Naomi looked at her life and she realized at the end of this travesty, at the end of the famine, at the end of losing a husband and losing sons, she realized she needed to get it back to Bethlehem. She didn't want to lose the connection again. So there's two things I'm going to ask you to do this morning. 
to get connected back to, number one, I want you to get back connected to the presence of God. John, James chapter 4 verse 8 simply says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Notice that it doesn't say draw near to God and he'll think about drawing near to you. I think the word that God gave this morning through the Holy Spirit, what Pastor Olivia was talking about is this, is that he is simply waiting, his arms are open and all he's waiting for you to do is turn your face back toward him. Choose to be connected to God's presence. Uh, Ruth looked at her mother-in-law and she simply said this. Because her mother-in-law said, you know what? Stick here and go back to your little G-gods. That's how disconnected Naomi was to God. That's how disconnected she was to her people. And she's like, go back to that. And Ruth says, I've seen something in you. I know there's something in you. And where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. And guess what? Your God is going to be my God. Even though Naomi needed, needed to go back to the land, it was symbolic of she needed to go back to God. And Ruth saw that and knew that. If that's what you're doing, I want to do that too. I want to get back to Bethlehem, back to that environment. Why is that important? Because you connect most when you are in environments that cultivate the presence of God. That means when we have Sunday mornings, be here on a Sunday. Listen, if you can't make it, you're watching online, I'm not going to guilt you. I understand, I understand last week's uh, weather. I get it. But I'm here to say that so often we try to serve God based on our convenience. We try to serve God based upon what fits our schedule. God is not here to be your accessory. He's here to be your life. He is the vine. He's not our branch. We're not the vine. Stay connected and pursue the presence of God. In about a month and a half, we're going to have a worship night. Be here for the worship night. When we do prayer nights, we had a week of prayer last week, which was wonderful in the prayer room. Be here for that. Take every opportunity to connect and to be in environments that facilitate the presence of God. You see, God's presence never left Naomi once. But she was in an environment that did not help cultivate it. And some of us have to actually monitor our lives and ask ourselves that some of the things and the atmospheres that we are putting ourselves into, are we putting ourselves in atmospheres that cultivate the presence of God or chase the presence of God away? And so Bethlehem was symbolic as getting, to getting back because God had plans. Number two, Pastor Olivia, if you can help me out here. Number two, choose to be connected to God's people. Choose to be connected to God's presence, but secondly, choose to be connected to God's people. Ruth, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And I'm here to say that some of the greatest blessings that you have been praying about for God to bring in your life, some of y'all have been waiting and waiting for God to send a blessing, not understanding that when you get connected to the people of God, the blessings of God is what flows through them to you. Some of y'all are waiting for God to show up in your prayer closet. And please, please, believe me, you need to have a place to pray. A place to get along with God. But you need the body of Christ as much as the body of Christ needs you. And some of you are praying for blessings and they're involved and flowing through the people that are sitting around you. And we can't always discover that if we come in late and we leave early to church. Or if we jet out without ever saying hello to anybody. Or when we do congregational greeting time and you refuse to say hello to anybody. I'm here to say, you're probably robbing yourself of the blessings of God flowing through other people's lives. And guess what? You're robbing them of God's blessing flowing through you. Ruth. Ruth. 
Ruth, I'll say it correctly. Ruth follows Naomi. I want to get connected to your people. You're going back to the people of God. I don't want to be connected. And if you know the story of Ruth, she goes back and she ends up finding a man by the name of, anybody in the name? Boaz. Name of my, one of my cats. <laughs> He's a weird dude. And so she, she finds Bobo. Starts what I call my cat, my bad. She finds Boaz. And a connection is made that transforms history because she simply said yes to connecting to God's presence and yes to connecting to God's people. What do you mean it transforms history? It's because she becomes the mother of Obed. And Obed becomes the father of Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of David. She becomes the great-grandmother of King David. When you read the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, it's not the most exciting thing to read because you're, you're reading this, this genealogy, but in there you see Ruth. Why is Ruth in there? Because she has decided to follow and stay connected, get connected to God and connected to the people of God. God birthed something through her life that would transform all of humanity, all because she said, I will connect. I'm going to connect to the people of God. I'm going to connect to God Himself. And God birthed salvation through her generations later. What will happen if we choose to purposely connect with people? What could God birth through this congregation to the world around us? And could it be the blessing that you're praying about? Could it reside in your place of connection? Because Ruth unlocked her calling because she simply decided to connect. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about community. But one of the ways that people connect in this church, and one of the deepest ways, if not the deepest way to connect to this church, is to become a partner of K-First. For most churches, membership is a description of those in the church who have chosen not just to be part of the church, but want to belong to the vision of the church. And for years, I really hated the term member, being a church member. Why? Because I've seen it utilized in terms that hinted towards entitlement instead of servanthood. I had people approach me, Pastor, what do I get if, if I become a member of the church? A handshake? But what, what are the perks? Do I get to use rooms for free for parties and things and that? Do I, do I get preferred treatment? Do I get better parking? I've heard it all. What do I get? And membership became more like a connection to a country club rather than becoming a core component to the mission and vision of an organization. And so, I don't know, about eight years ago, we changed the term to partnership. And it's a term that I drew from the Greek where Paul uses the word quininia specifically in the book of Philemon, where three times he uses the word quininia, which means fellowship, connection, a collective of like-minded people, and partners. And so I chose this word to describe not just those who attend the church, but those who chose to be a core of who we are and what we do here at K-First. At K-First, partners are core connectors. It's core family. It is a collection of people who demonstrate a commitment to Jesus and a commitment to each other. Partners at K-First 
have not just connected, but we take seriously the mission and vision of this church that simply says that we want to be with Jesus, that we would become like Jesus. And so they respond to the needs of the body. Our board members are drawn from our partners. And when necessary, our partners are charged with some of the most important business of this church. For example, our governing document, our constitution and bylaws, cannot be changed without say-so of the partners. If we were to buy or sell property, the partners have to vote on it. If Pastor Dave were to be hit by a Mack truck, which I am not praying for, by the way, and you had to vote on a pastor, did you know the Assemblies of God doesn't assign a pastor here? And the congregation doesn't vote on the pastor. Do you know who votes on the pastor? It's the partners. When I came almost 15 years ago, the partnership, then the membership voted on me. I got 91% of the vote, and I thought to myself, that sounds great, but I think 9% are leaving tomorrow. The partnership. So my, my inv invitation for this Sunday, at the beginning of this year, is to invite you into partnership. If you're new with us this morning, I'm so glad that you're here because you're hearing the heartbeat of this church this month. And I've had people say, well, how do I become a partner? I'm going to give you three simple steps today. Number one, I want you to get to know us. Just get to know us. How do we do that? Show up. Attend. Be a part of things. Ask us out for food. What do you mean? Ann and I like to eat. Let's go eat together. Let's go share a cup of coffee together. Let's just go ask questions and get to know each other because that's the way the body of Christ is meant to be. Listen, Jesus didn't build the kingdom by standing in pulpits all the time. He sat at tables and we decided that's how we wanted to do ministry too. Get to know us. Get to know each other. Meet people after church. What's your K-First story? How, do you, how did you come to know the K-First? You're like, well, what if I meet a new person? Then you've met a new, new people. You could trade stories. Well, let's meet other people and just let's get to know each other. After that, be with us. What do you mean be with us? Get involved in something. Be with us. Join a team. Find a place to serve. Next month, we're doing a, uh, uh, I was at a show. Oh, Lord of mercy. We're doing a class called Next, which helps you find all your next steps at K-First. Get involved in a training that's taking place in the month of February. It's going to be a missions month. We're going to have missionaries every single Wednesday night in our cafe. I'm praying that we'll pack our cafe out, letting them share. We're going to do Q&A. We're going to hear about their field. We're going to hear about what God is doing. We're not there to take an offering for them. We're there to have them impart into us and us into them. I think it's going to be powerful. Be with us and be a part of those things. If events take place, be with us. We have Sunday mornings, obviously. Be with us. And that leads us toward the last step of get totally connected with us and become a partner of K-First. People ask me, well, what do you mean stepping into partnership? Why is that so different from just simply attending? Because it's commitment. And I don't know about you, but when I've gone to a wedding, the wedding is not the place where we are announcing, we've got new love. They just met today. We're announcing new love. That's not what a wedding is. A wedding is a public declaration of what already exists. And they're saying, we're making a deep commitment one to another. I think that's what partnership is. It's we're not just showing up to church, we're saying, you know what? We want to be a part of the core of what God is doing here. The vision, the mission, and where God is taking us. And we're not going to sit on the sideline. We want to get into the game and into the huddle. 
and be connected the way that God has called us to connect. He's the vine, we are the branches. Hey bud, Ethan, can you do me a favor? Can you bring me that? I don't know if any of you ever had one of these growing up. If you didn't know, that's my son right there. Poor guy looks like me. I had one growing up, I think it was a Spider-Man or a Superman one. And this was actually called a bob bag. You know why they call it a bob bag? Because it, it bobs. Blew your mind. But the beat of a bob bag is you could hit it. And it comes right back up. Out of frustration, you can kick it. And it comes right back up. You're not working with me today. But as a kid, I remember just punching it. And, and growing up, we had ones that had sand at the bottom. This one had apparently did not fill with enough water. But as a kid, you would hit it hard. You would keep hitting it hard. Keep hitting it hard. And the reason, and it would go down, and it would come right back up, or you would push it down, and it'd come back and smack in the face, and you know, it always gave your parents a laugh. And but uh, play with it forever. Knock it down. Get back up. Knock it down. Get back up. Why is it this thing constantly gets back up? Because there's something in it that causes it to rise back up, no matter what thing knocked it down. What causes a church to rise up when the worst of the worst can happen to it? It's our connection. It's when we connect to the vine and the branches we together stay connected in Him. It's, it's what gives us life. One of the hardest things about COVID was the disconnection and the life we feel like we lost in this day and age of deconstructing faith. Where, listen, I'm not trying to forgive stupidity on behalf of church leaders that have done things they should have never done, touched people they should have never touched, made decisions that abused people that they should have never have done. I will never cover up for the injustice that has been done by some church leaders, not all. And we've developed this culture of deconstruction that just says, I don't need the church, but I'm here to say this, we need the body of Christ. We need the connection. Because without the connection, we just stay down. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says how lonely it is to be, to fall down and have nobody to help them get up again. And we have too many people dying on the vine because they have, their connection is to something else. My heart is this, is that we would be a people that the only way we live beyond the 52 is that we stay connected here. And we purposely do everything we can to stay connected here. He's the vine with the branches. And the branches can't be at war with one another. We're connected to one another. And so God forgive us for holding on to, gripping on to things that are superfluous. And disconnecting our power source from everything else. Because we thought the school, we thought the job, we thought this and thought that gave us power. But God, you've called us to stay connected with you. Bow your heads with me. I'm done yakking.